play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I'm your host Neil Maligno. With me today, fresh off the injured reserve, is Adam Cahill. How is the chest and or back, Adam? <laughs> it's good. I worked out again today for the first time since, so you know I'm feeling proud of that accomplishment. Nice. But uh, yeah, d- didn't have didn't didn't have any serious. Uh, long-lasting injuries but uh yeah was was decommissioned for uh for the last recording yeah me, me me and josh were getting worried that you were gonna like opt out of the podcast season so we weren't sure you know we were like getting a little concerned <laughs> i mean i'm thinking about it right now you guys we might be talking about a season that doesn't even happen so <laughs> this might all be a big waste of time you know more than usual though <laughs> well i also mentioned our boy josh he is here today he he found time throughout all his you know, club hopping and, and bar skipping through the pandemic. He found time for us today. So, Josh, welcome to the show as well. Hey, we I went to a bar the other night, and we were literally the only two people there. See? There were two people. There, Great. That, what does that tell you, Josh? <laughs> it tells me that the bars are an underutilized resource at this point in time. I don't know. Adam, I mean, when you're when you're one of two people doing something, only two people. Do you it was usually, Monday night, though, man. It was do, Monday night. Do you usually look at that as a positive or a negative, Adam? Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's weird. Josh is just out doing his own thing, as we know. Just, as I said before, gallivanting about town like nothing ever happened. So, yeah, should, I, I'd expect nothing less. He's really out there flexing those antibodies. Like, he's getting a little, <laughs> he's, he's getting a little out of hands. I'm going to find out what they're really capable of. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Um, I mean, speaking of Corona, it's getting kind of crazy for the NFL, right? Uh, Adam just kind of mentioned it. Like we we did we did talk about it last week, me and Josh, about you know I I had it in foul or no foul as far as players who would actually get Corona like during the season. But he, here we are today, and we got players opting out left and right, and it's getting a little concerning. Um, players who are getting put on like uh, I guess injured list or something for like potentially having it or being in contact with people who did or what I don't know what the case is. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's getting a little crazy. I, I feel like, you know, that's going to be kind of a big part of this episode today. Like there's really no other way to, um, approach it. It's kind of the, you know, the buzzword of the week, I guess you could say it's like what everyone's concerned about. Um, so when I did ask for questions, we got COVID related questions, um, all the news, all the hot topics, everything is kind of Corona, Corona, Corona. So if you're not looking to hear about Corona, this isn't the episode for you. Um, if you do care about fantasy and how this is going to play out with Corona, this is the episode for you. Um, so it will be a big part of the show today. Um, but before we get into the football stuff and all this kind of stuff, I'm just kind of curious for both of you, I guess, Adam or Adam, you can start. What, what is like, how do you feel right now about the season upcoming in relation to COVID? Like what's, what's the first thing I like, thought that comes to your mind right now? Man, it's really interesting. Cause I think that right now we see kind of three different styles of how to approach the season. You've got, you know, kind of what the UFC did, which was, you know, find best solutions just in the moment and just kind of roll with it as you're going, just tires of spinning, figuring out if you can do it in Las Vegas or, you know, if you can do it in another state or another city and then realizing that, all right, well, we have to have some backup plan where we can just go somewhere else. And it seems like Fight Island for the UFC has been the most successful thing. Flash to the other leagues so far, and you have a lot of breakouts that you're seeing right now happen in the MLB, but in the NBA, where you have this little secluded island kind of copying what the UFC did, a lot less cases. So the struggle is, I think, personally, everything points to the NFL being most successful following an NBA-esque model especially since it's a sport where most games are all played on one day anyway. It would actually make more sense to have them all go to the same area and be playing games relatively on the same day. But the logistics of that are just so crazy that I don't really know if that's going to be a route that they even decide to take. 
I think they're going to go the MLB route. And if they do, I think that we're going to have a season and it's going to have a ton of missing players. And I think it's probably going to be unprecedented for that. Yeah, I, I agree. It looks like it's about to be, you know, struggle city for the NFL. Um, Josh, do you agree? Like you're getting a little concerned here or, I mean, you are the one galvanizing the town. I mean, are you not concerned at all? <laughs> I think they guys wait, 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 Neil, do you know what you just said? <laughs> I don't know what I just said. It sounded good. Though. I think they should go the NBA route. I think putting everybody in a bubble is, is the better, safer, smarter thing to do. Yeah, that that definitely seems like the best route. I don't like you know, like he just said. I don't know if it's possible, but man, it's getting it's getting worrisome that um you know if they if they go about the season as you normally would have, man, I just don't know how this is gonna play out. But we'll we'll, we'll, we'll you know this is only something that we just have to wait and see. Like there's no you know there's no way to predict it really. So we'll wait and see. In the meantime, we will continue to talk football. We'll continue to talk to players involved. We'll continue to get all of this information out there just in case everything you know, just starts playing like normal. Um, but we have a lot of good questions and stuff that we'll get to. That'll make this more clear. Um, let's start with trust issues though. Um, we have some new, some, some a lot of the headlines of today of, of recent couple days in trust issues. So let's start here. The first one with Damian Williams out, he opted out due to COVID Clyde Edwards. Hilaire is a first round pick. Um, Josh, do you trust this? Or do you have trust issues? Yeah, I, I I think I trust it, man. The back of the first round turn pick, I'm okay with taking Clyde with one of those two picks. I think he has a lot of upside, and Damian being out of the way matters to me. He played really well last year. He he did the job. Kansas City is a very good opportunity to get, and I think Clyde might just be able to step in and do something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to like not envision now like this being his backfield, but we got a guy here named Adam who I'm sure is inclined to believe somebody else in this backfield matters who I can't stand to hear about this guy, but Adam, what do you think, man? DeAndre Washington season. How did you go to Josh first? That was rude. <laughs> I, I, wa- I wanted to hold you up. Uh, yes. Yeah, so as we all know, uh, DeAndre Washington was signed by the chiefs this off season. And as everyone who listens to this podcast, you know, I've been touting him since his rookie year, and it's uh, not been going great. But we're uh, we're on Rebound City, and uh, it's, it's DeAndre time. Uh, that being said, like legitimately, uh, all, all fandom aside, I, I do think that DeAndre becomes a pretty viable late-round pick. I mean, maybe even mid-to-late-round pick if you're feeling really frosty, but I, I don't think most people are even going to be looking to draft him. Um, I think there's a lot of other names like McCoy and Freeman and things that are floating around a little bit more. But as far as Clyde goes, I mean, I, I think as far as trust or trust issues, he's going he's to go at the end of the first, beginning of the second round in most drafts. I mean, from what I was seeing, he was already starting to creep into the end of the second in a lot of drafts. It doesn't take much for him to get to the end of the first. For me personally, I I don't know. I I think that he's going to be slotted in right around running back like eight or nine for me. Um, The top six are pretty locked in with with Cook and Henry rounding out the top four for me. And then I think Miles Sanders has got to be ahead of him at least. But that's right right where things get really interesting for me. And I, I think that... I think Clyde's going to be somebody who I, I get really excited about this year. But, man, it's just – oh, it, it's actually funny. This, this takes me back to literally the first year that I ever played fantasy football. I drafted a rookie running back in the very first round, and it was Ryan Matthews' rookie year. Oh. So uh, that didn't go well, guys. Uh, <laughs> so I, I get really cautious, but uh, this this is one that – makes a lot of sense yeah yeah and I, I mean I, I have no issue with it for people taking him in the first I, I trust him as the player they are going there um obviously for people who have already drafted it whether it was in dynasty leagues whether it was in you know redraft leagues and you just drafted you know super early whatever the case may be obviously if you took him early or ahead of guys like jonathan taylor you feel good now <laughs> you know what i mean like you feel a little bit better it makes you feel like okay maybe i didn't make a mistake at least for this season but We'll, we'll see. Um, the Damian Williams thing is funny, you know, because people were putting, giving him a lot of credit and drafting him, you know, in the middle of drafts or a little later and like, yeah, I got a steal. 
Um, so no, you didn't. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that, you know, we'll see how the Kansas City backfield works itself out. Uh, I'm not really worried about DeAndre Washington, but you did mention Defonta Freeman. So on our trust issues list here, Defonta Freeman just happened to be the next guy on our list, Adam. So let's let's just say Devonta Freeman signed as a Chiefs. Let's say he signs there. Do you think I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the best way to put this? Because I yeah okay let's put it this way: Devonta Freeman signs with the Chiefs and he matters in fantasy. Do you trust that or you have trust issues? I'm asking you, Adam, first because you you did say you like Edwards Hilaire, you do like DeAndre Washington. So how much does a Devonta Freeman bother you then? Well, I mean, if he signed there, yeah, of course he's going to matter for fantasy because they're not – if they sign an additional player, that changes that backfield entirely. I mean, obviously, if they sign a veteran, they're going to utilize that veteran. That being said, I don't see him signing them. Interesting. Go over to my, uh, my good friend playerprofiler.com and, and type in a little name, DeAndre Washington. <laughs> See what pops up in the right hand corner. It'll it'll shock you. It'll shock you because uh, they've already got a Devonta Freeman clone right in that backfield right now, and he's younger and he's healthier. And personally, I think that they've already signed a player. Obviously, they might go out and sign another with this uh, surprising subtraction from their lineup, but. Uh, I'll be very surprised if they pay the money to get Devonta in there. Yeah. Granted, who knows? I mean, there might not be that much of a market. It might not cost much to get him in. So if he goes there, he matters. Yeah. But I, I'm not expecting him to end up there. Do you trust the idea of him going there, Josh, and mattering in fantasy? No, and mattering. I think. I mean, the Chiefs did this last year. They signed LaShawn McCoy, and he had a 39% or tar- er, opportunity share, which was 38th overall. And points per game, he was an RB4. Hmm. And they did well, that. Sorry, and they I'm, did that with a Darwin Thompson, who we all love so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. If they sign Devonta Freeman, like that's fine. I I think that he'll he'll have his two good games, just like Lashawn McCoy did, and we'll get to see what everybody else can do. Yeah, yeah. This is this situation's. You know, it could get messy, or it could be super clean. I'm I'm hoping it's super clean, but with the way everything has played out in 2020 so far in life in general, I don't expect anything to be easy. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here with the Chiefs. They're going to be obviously a lot of talk. It also kind of makes me wonder with all these guys opting out and also the fear of players just getting COVID during the season. Like, how, how many teams do you think have guys like on standby, like super standby? Like, hey, man, like we're signing you immediately the first second anything happens. Like, do you think like there's quarterbacks being like, you know, watched closely or like these important positions? Or do you think that like, Teams will just cross everyone when they get there. Didn't wasn't it the was it the AFL or the, there you know it was the XFL that had a an extra team that was basically just signable guys that would be for this purpose. So maybe the NFL needs to pick up that idea. Yeah, they need to do something because this can get really crazy quick. Um, man, this seems super interesting to see how this plays out. Um, it's like it's a, it's one of those headlines where like a lot of people don't want to hear it anymore. Just like they didn't want to hear about Corona anymore, period. But it's just you can't help but like it'd be such a focus. Um, all right. Well, one thing that I did want to mention around that, though, is with the subtraction of a preseason, you have NFL teams being forced to go down to a 53 man roster without having any risk of losing, you know, players due to injuries. So you are going to have a very large player pool because all these teams are cutting down 53 players when you know typically they have expansion rosters at the beginning of preseason and everything so you're still going to have all those free agents floating around so i i don't think that there's going to be any shortage of players right or anything. yeah and that also sucks for the guys not to get a chance to really prove themselves you know what i mean like that was that preseason was a big opportunity for guys who you know were on that fringe or were rookies or undrafted free agents now they're not really gonna have a chance other than practices so that sucks but like i said man this is going to be a, a headline that completely you know, devours everything we talk about. It just is what it is. Um, Anthony Lynn said Tyrod Taylor will probably start week one for the Chargers. Do you trust Tyrod to start six or more games, Josh? Yeah, I do. I trust it to happen because I think Tyrod is going to play better than people expect, and I think Justin Herbert is going to be underwhelming in camp. So 
why would you not keep Tyrod out there? He's going to have Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, and maybe even Mike Williams making him look awfully good. So I will not be surprised if he starts six or more. Yeah, Tyrod is an interesting case. Adam, how, how do you feel? Do you, do you feel are you are you in the boat of you know Tyrod being like a season long quarterback or like you know a majority of the game quarterback, or are you just like totally have trust issues with them and you feel like the rookie is undoubtedly going to unseat him quickly? Man, you know I want to be like I love <laughs> Tyrod. I've loved him for years, but it just it doesn't seem realistic just from an NFL standpoint. I mean, they took Justin Herbert with the sixth pick in the NFL draft. I don't see them starting Tyrod unless he gets off to some hot start. I mean, if they're two and four or one and five after those first six games, they're just, they're, I don't see them continuing. So I honestly have a lot of fears of it even being a quicker turn of hand than that. Um, but I think six is probably right about what Tyrod gets. Yeah. That's, now, granted, that's, that's without looking at their schedules. So uh, let me pull that up while, while Neil gives his thoughts. No, yeah. Cause that start of the season is going to be, Pretty much, the, like you said, the, the identifier of whether you know they care, continue to start him because if it does get crazy, I mean, they got Justin Herbert, they got Easton Stick from last year. Like, there's guy, there's young quarterbacks there. Like, there's no point to you know continue to 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 run Tyrod just to get you know crap wins for no reason or, or attempt to get crap wins. Um, and I guess I'm, my my concern is how good is Justin Herbert going to be because if he's not good and you bail from Tyrod, like that team could get ugly quick for us fantasy players <laughs> like i don't know man it's just seems like a dangerous team now that i think about it if uh tyrod does get pulled early yeah this is something that i feel like happens every off season is there are these teams that as fantasy players like people seem to really rally behind their playmakers and this year i feel like two of those teams that i'm seeing that happen a lot with that i just am struggling to see it all work out is the Chargers and the Panthers. I feel like everybody's really big on all of the playmakers from both those teams, but I just don't, I, I don't know. I'm very nervous about the return on investment. So I, I looked it up real quick and in the last 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, okay, quarterbacks that were drafted in the top six picks Oh, I made a mistake. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, I am mistaken. That's what happens when you guys don't prepare before the show. <laughs> Josh trying to go off the fly. Ten seconds. And while he's doing that, much respect to Aaron Rodgers. Did you guys see a little bit of that interview? He was no. talking about Jordan Love and stuff. No respect. What did he do? No, he was just saying, like, you know, like, he wasn't happy about the Jordan Love pick because he knows ultimately it means, like, you know, his demise in Green Bay. But that he gets it. It's a business. And, of course, you know, he could be covering up emotions and feelings there and whatever. But, like, he said he called Jordan Love, you know, the day after. He, you know, didn't want it to be, like, a negative experience for him because he knew how important this was to him when he got drafted. And he knows that ultimately, like, he feels like Green Bay will move on to Jordan Love and Rodgers will play somewhere else at some point. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, he, he gets a really bad reputation, Aaron Rodgers, you know. And whether it's, you know, earned or not, I don't know. But, like, hearing him be so open and candid about it, I, I appreciated it, man. I respected it. So. Okay, so in the last 10 years, quarterbacks that were drafted in the top six picks like Justin Herbert was, there's 16 of them. Only one guy did not start at least 10 games, and that was Jared Goff. Yeah, all right, so it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Blake Bortles and Mark Sanchez started 13 and 15 games in their rookie seasons. Yeah, it's not looking good for Tyrod. Man, I really hope Justin Herbert's good because there's a lot of players on that team I like. And I'm going to hate to see them suck. Man, I really think of the quarterback as just like an efficiency governor on the players that are out there running routes. And how bad – he's got to be pretty bad to hold back Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I see a lot of people not that confident in the guy, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, hopefully it all goes well. Hopefully it all goes well. The um, last one we have here, Dalvin Cook has officially reported to camp. Can we get some kind of applause here or something, guys? Like, I'm excited about this. This is the best news of the episode for me, man. I'm excited. So the question, Adam, is do you trust him as a top five running back? 
I mean, I do. I've been drafting him as a top five running back the whole offseason. For me, he's been firmly at number five. The thing I'm interested in is we kind of all have this locked in top four. I just I wonder if Cook even squeezes his way in there a little bit. I mean, I expect him to have more rushing volume than somebody like Kamara or, you know, potentially more passing volume than somebody like Zeke. So it, it's interesting. I, and, you know, Cook finished second last year amongst running backs. So for me, it's like he's firmly at five. But if if it wasn't just best ball, like if I'm not just drafting best ball where I'm more, especially in the first round, trying to spread out my volume. I think I'm going to really be questioning him against a lot of these. Uh, like, outside of McCaffrey, I, I honestly could make the argument for Cook over any of the other three. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I have no issue with anyone putting Cook above everybody besides, you know, McCaffrey. And, I mean, I mean like you, I was drafted. I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl with you, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of faith in Cook, man. And, and – Obviously, the, the major concern is always the injury thing. And so, if you if you're not caring about that, and you're not trying to predict injuries, and you're not, you know, worrying about injury prone, quote unquote, and all this kind of stuff, then I mean, you cannot. I don't know how you could argue the guy outside of it. You know what I mean, like he's just that good. Like he, he feels if safe. Ever, besides the injuries, if Devin plays sixteen, I think you're right. But I'm not sure that reporting to camp means everything is okay. Like I think he might just be reporting to avoid fines, and he's actually still holding out we'll see i mean i don't think the vikings have they, they haven't seemed like um like against giving him more money you know what i mean so i'm hoping they can work it out i'm hoping it's a a positive gesture on his end to the team like hey i'm here i'm ready to play i'm willing to come to the table now like you guys step up and do your half you know what i mean like kind of put their you know put them in the, in the spot now like hey he showed up now it's your turn you know what i mean so we'll see I th- i think he'll get you know some extra money I don't know if it's going to be a huge contract right now or after the season or what, but I feel I feel fine about it. I feel much better. And, um, you know, for those who have drafted him, I don't feel like you should be concerned, you know. But, it, again, this is 2020, and uh, things can go anyway, man. Um, but I'm with Adam. I feel good about him. I don't, I don't you know, besides the injury thing, again, it's always there for anybody in reality. Um, obviously, his concern is a little higher. But, you know, besides that, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. I feel like he gets held back a little bit because coming out of college, people wouldn't rave about him either. They were like, you know, everyone was a little down on him, a little down on him. So they don't when, – when, when, when players come out and people initially are down on him, down on a player, they never want to, like, totally come around. Like, there's always going to be something, like, holding people back from fully showing love. Um, so I feel like Dalvin Cook gets that treatment. But we shall see. Or maybe it's just because Kirk Cousins is a quarterback. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to listener questions. I took out no rank them today. Because we got listener questions. They were strong questions. And I didn't know how much time we were going to spend on them. So I didn't want to go to rank them. We're going straight into listener questions. All right. Um, the first one I have here is from at offfield underscore mascot. Our boy Victor. Uh, shout out to Victor. He's a good dude. Uh, big supporter of the show. I um, really like the guy. We talk a lot on Twitter. Um, he asked, how do we manage the pandemic through the season if the NFL is canceled? So, He's thinking ahead already, like, hey, what if we play six weeks or seven weeks? Like, does someone win the league? Or, you know, does your fantasy league get canceled or postponed? Like, what happens? Like, you know, there's so much that can happen. Obviously, the NFL could postpone and come back and, like, finish later. Like, who knows, right? But h- how are you guys, like, initially, without, obviously, we can't predict the future here, but how are you guys initially assuming this would, would shake out? I know a lot of leagues are already making adjustments. You got... People making, you know, COVID IR spots. You got um, commissioners out there who are much more <laughs> better than me at commission that are already out here, like, laying out rules and, like, hey, this is what we're going to do if it ends by this week. Like, how are you two feeling that these things should be approached? Like, if if this season does end, like, week eight, are you like, all right, that's it. No one, no one wins. Game over. Everyone gets their money back. Or do you feel like someone should be declared winner or, you know, some way to continue and proceed? Like, how do you guys feel about this? I'll let Adam start. Yeah, so I think that ultimately canceled and postponed are two very different situations. Right. Postponed, you postpone your fantasy league. You do the same thing. You know, you you resume it when the NFL resumes. Makes sense. You play for a season. You're not playing for a certain period of weeks. I mean, let's be realistic. They were planning to extend the NFL season. They extend the NFL season. We still play more weeks in fantasies. So for us, you know, if they postpone it, nothing changes in my opinion. However, 
I think every league needs a caveat for cancellation. And I think that each league needs to kind of decide what they want that time frame to be. Personally, I think 10 weeks is a good threshold. I think you could even go as low as eight, but I think 10 complete weeks gives a good sense of what the season was. Um, and I think ultimately, if I was commissioning a league, I would say that anything under 10 weeks, the season's null and void, everybody gets their buy-in back. At 10 weeks, anything from there to playing a full fantasy season is essentially, if it ever ends early, it becomes a total points league. And whoever, it, the time in which the NFL cancels the season is in the lead with the most total points, they win the league. Personally, I don't see the NFL ever canceling after week 10. I think it's insane. So that's why I think that caveat's fine because it's not even going to matter. Personally, I think if the NFL gets canceled, it's going to happen within the first couple weeks or it's not going to happen. Gotcha. And if it happens within the first couple of weeks, you're like, hey, everyone's league's just dead. Yeah, um, essentially. I mean, yeah, you're, it's canceled or it's postponed. You right. know, either, it's right. basically the same. Same difference at that point. Yeah. Josh, do you agree with all that or do you have a different feeling? I think I think all the way down to like six weeks, I'm okay with the points for payout. Okay. And just just call it what it is, man. We all knew this was gonna be kind of a wild season. I'm okay with giving a guy his pot for winning the six week twenty twenty crazy season. And then like with the COVID IR thing, for me personally, I commission a few leagues, and I don't want to parse out IR. I'm just I'm just making everybody that opts out for COVID IR eligible if it says IR next to their name. <laughs> so yeah, so and I think most leagues that I commission, Adam and Josh are in them. I, I think all of them maybe. So I'm gonna hand the rights over to you guys. I'll let you guys uh, deal with everybody now. <laughs> <Stop. laughs> so shocked that Neil is not going to actually be a commissioner. Listen, man, I'm, I'm the best commissioner out there, man. Best hey, man, just like the president, just the face. Listen, exactly, because you just have to have a guy right under you, right next to you, and he handles it, man. And you just, you just, you just be the face, man. Some people don't want the limelight. It's okay, right, Josh? Power, power to the people. That's that's what that's what Neil's doing here. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to make this nice. Trying, trying to make this nice and smooth. I'm already getting asked about the IR spots, guys. I don't know. Josh is balked at it. He's like, I don't like it. Adam, do you like COVID IR spots? I, um, man, I think that uh, it, it's such a touchy subject because for me, I think they're fine if you add like two per team. But I've seen like some leagues adding like eight IR spots in Dynasty. Yeah, that's crazy. Stuff. I'm like, dude, if. If that's what we're going to start doing, like, it's just going to it's gonna get so out of hand. I guess at the end of the day, if they're IR spots and you're a commissioner who's going to watch and make sure that people who are on or in someone's IR spot are actually missing time due to either COVID or an injury, I mean, if you're an active commissioner who's going to do that, then more power to you. But uh, I play in leagues with some guy who isn't super active as a commissioner. It's weird. I know. But uh, with, with situations <laughs> like that, I would discourage from having a ton of IR spots because it's going to be hard to babysit. Yeah. Also, I look at it this way. If you have five, six, seven, eight IR spots, guess what, guys? The season is likely over. So, like, let's not worry about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it gets that out of hand where you're benching all these guys because IR for COVID, like, the season's probably not going to keep happening. So, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, 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 could, I could understand maybe one or two, but I wouldn't get crazy with it. For whoever that guy is that's not a very active commissioner, get on your shit, man. Get on your shit. <laughs> I think I, – why even limit IR spots? What do you mean? Why? I think that if a player is on your roster and he is put on the IR, you should just be able to always put that guy on IR. Like that's not an advantage that you're gaining. That sucks. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, if the site is set up properly and that's the only way you're able to put someone on IR is if they actually are listed on IR – fantastic the thing that's terrible is a lot of sites are not set up that way and what will happen is you'll have all these ir spots and people will put players on ir and then forget about them wink wink and they'll sit on their ir for an entire season and they'll be playing essentially with additional roster spots when guys are you know not necessarily on ir they were just not usable yeah i think sleeper has COVID ir spots right 
Yeah. I well, they. I, I adjusted a setting today, and I can't remember exactly what it said, but I just I opened up IR to include more players. Interesting. <laughs> Again, one of these things we'll just see constantly evolving as the season gets closer. Um, so yeah, we feel you, Victor. Man, shit is stressful, man. We'll see how it. Uh, we'll see how it evolves. Um, but it's just something that people just got to keep their finger on the pulse and kind of just keep adjusting as needed. Um, but you, but yeah, I, I feel like eight games, even if you got even like Josh, even if it's six games, I mean, whatever, like I, I would hate for the season to be a waste for everybody and just like, Oh, here's your money back. But I, but I know if you end that thing in six games or even in eight, you're going to have complainers who say, I didn't get a full chance. You took my money. Da, da, da. Too so, damn bad. Yeah. It's part of the way it's, it's the way it's cookie crumbles, baby. Um, at Austin underscore G underscore H. Shout out to Austin. He said, due to COVID precautions or opt-outs, defenses around the league will be affected to the point that we may see insane fantasy numbers. Um, what do you guys think about that? I, I, Adam was talking about this, right? He said 2011. Go ahead, Adam. That That is pure Josh right there. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to talk and say what, what Adam said. <laughs> You do, you do the thing that you said earlier about this exact thing. <laughs> I got I to gotta say something because all I have to say is Adam wants to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, um, I think it's definitely possible that we see spikes in fantasy numbers. Now, this is definitely a weird year, but the most similar season that we can kind of go off of is the 2011 player strike. And they had a limited off season there. This is going to be definitely way different than that. Um, but what we saw that year was a real big spice in, spike in passing production. So personally, I think there's a chance for that. Furthermore, if you know we have the potential for players to miss time additionally due to COVID or to potentially sit out entire season, we're gonna we're probably going to see a bigger hit to defenses and to offensive lines. I think those are going to be the two things that are going to be most impactful to teams. You know, if they lose offensive linemen, I think we're going to see, especially if you play in leagues with, you know, defense still, a lot of streaming defense advantages being popped up week to week due to offensive line missing uh, due to COVID or or injury or anything. Uh, I think that's going to be huge. And then with that in mind, I think from a defensive side of the ball, it's just it's so much easier for an offense to exploit one big hole on defense than it is the other way around. Like offenses can manage with a hole or two. When there's a hole on defense, the offense can just choose to exploit that hole over and over and over. So I think that we're going to see that occur more. And because of that, we might see a huge spike in in fantasy production. Yep, just another, again, another evolving thing you'll have to keep your eye on. But I do agree. I think that there's a good chance that numbers do, you know, have these big splashes um, due to this. Because like you said, you just made a great point. With defenses, it's hard to cover up even one difference, right? But on offenses, like you said, there's kind of plug-and-play guys, certain position. There's also just, you know, it's just easier to kind of make, you know, shift your offense a little bit and make tweaks rather than, you know, a defense. So. Um, yeah, man, I think that's a good question from Austin. I think it's, you know, something that people should definitely be thinking about uh, when when setting their, you know, drafting their team, setting their lineups, all that good stuff. Like, think about even explosive players, you know. Maybe they'll be even more – have more opportunities for bigger plays and, um, you know, your Miko Hardmans and those kind of guys. Um, Hollywood Browns, you know, just guys like that. They might just be a lot of holes in the defense for those guys to make big plays a lot more. Um, at Blake B 221 shout-out to Blake. Um, he had one here. Uh, Devin Singletary will be the best running back in the AFC East. What do you guys think about that? I think it's Le'Veon Bell. I don't think it's Devin Singletary. I mean, I mean, Le'Veon last season was seven targets. He he had the ninth most receiving yards, sixteenth in PP. So he finished at, at RB sixteen. Like I, I don't think Devin Singletary. Is going to have enough of the the workload there to get past that, and I think that the Jets could just pick it up a little bit and be a little bit better team. Yeah, that's definitely possible. And Le- Le'Veon Bell was on Twitter talking that shit to Jamal Adams. He sounds motivated, man. I mean, he sounds in a good space. 
you know. Yeah. I take that kind he, of stuff into you know consideration. He's getting the workload. Like that's what Le'Veon Bell does, and he had six RB one weeks last year. I think that Le'Veon Bell would be my front runner in the AFC East. Devin Singletary, I mean, you might not even be your second. <laughs> oh, man, that's a crazy division right now and everything with everything that's going on on top of it. Um, Adam, do you feel any special way about Devin Singletary? Yeah, I feel kind of a weird way, which is that, like, I, I don't know if he can be the top running back on his own team, let alone the AFC East. <laughs> I think that, you know, Zach Moss has just as much draft capital. They're both third-round picks. I think that there is definitely a chance that Moss gets, you know, the bulk of the work there. Obviously, I think that Singletary gets, you know, the start from from the jump and not having an offseason is definitely going to help him get the majority of touches, at least the beginning of the year on that team. But uh, I, I don't know. The AFC East, obviously, is kind of depleted. I mean, you're talking about Miami, who has Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and, and you know, Josh already mentioned the Jets. And then the other team you've got is the Patriots. And I don't know what to expect from the Patriots this year, especially with Cam Newton rushing the football. You know, there's going to be a, a loss in touchdowns from somebody like Sony Michelle, and I'm not sure how James White's going to be utilized with Cam versus how he was utilized with Tom Brady. Granted, you know, Cam supported McCaffrey having crazy, insane receiving numbers as well. So I, I don't necessarily think that James White could, in a PPR league, outscore somebody like Devin Singletary. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not confident in Singletary. He's someone who I have not drafted at ADP this year. Um, I don't feel confident in him even holding the lead role in that backfield, let alone being somebody who's, you know, a successful fantasy asset if he does. Gotcha. All right. So no, none of us seem very confident with Devin. Um, I like the James White pick. I feel like he he could do it. Yeah, he's going really overlooked in drafts right now as well. I can't I can't recall his ADP, but I feel like it's you know seventh eighth round something like that, and. Uh, where he's going, especially in full PPR leagues, I think is is really nice. It, it definitely uh, definitely has room for upside. Yeah, he still feels like a safe bet. Um, all right, shout out to Austin, Victor, and Blake. We appreciate the questions as always. Those guys are always um, super supportive of the show and, and super helpful with questions and stuff like that. So we shout out to you guys. Um, let's jump over to Fowler No Foul. I have three of them for you guys today. Um, again, Fowler No Foul guys. I have statements that I've pulled from the internet that I've made up that people have stated, whatever the case may be. We're going to find out if Josh, me and me and Adam, and of course you guys can play at home too. Uh, how, how we feel about this. If we agree with them or we disagree with them. If we, if we agree with the statement, there's no foul. If we think there's something bogus about it and we throw a foul. Um, so the first one we have here, if UFOs, we're getting, there's a lot of UFO talk right now, right? Lots of stuff. The government keeps, you know, Releasing a little bit of information here and there. I see in Canada talking about they, they're they more transparent than anybody with this kind of stuff. So there's lots of UFO talk going on right now. So my, 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 my thing here for you guys, if UFOs are proven 100% not to be from Earth, right? Because, I mean, even the, 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 the government is agreeing that there's UFOs, right? We don't know where they're from. We don't know what they are. But if they're 100% confirmed that they're not from Earth, most people would go about their everyday life and could care less, foul or no foul. No foul. That is exactly what just happened. The New York Times reported that the Pentagon is stating that there are unidentified flying objects that have been recovered that are not of Earth origin. What does that mean? That means that they came from another planet. <laughs> but, like, they're not... It's because of how it's said, it's because of how it's written, and it's also because... Look at the world right now. I mean, if you're going to tell the world about UFOs, now's the time to do it. Nobody, Nobody's paying attention. I mean, it's crazy with everything that's going on right now, but people just are okay with this. And I think it's interesting that it's finally being talked about by you know major publications and stuff. But as, as we've talked about on this podcast before, you know, Neil and I are huge fans of the Joe Rogan Experience yes. podcast. And Rogan's listenership has grown gigantic over the last decade. And he's been talking about this stuff the whole time he's been on the air. So I think his voice is probably one of the leading ones pushing this out into the mainstream. And it's it's interesting that it's, you know, getting actual government releases. Uh, but the timing seems uh, very intentional. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's why I put this on here, because like 
at any other time, and I feel like you would have told you to release this kind of information or you know the stuff where you know the, the the objects are not Earth, you know, like stuff or not from Earth origin, all this kind of stuff. Like at any other time, you would release this stuff. To me, it would have been like like crazy big. Like it would have been a, a very big deal. I feel like that New York Times article came and went. Like just, I don't know if it has to do everything with Corona and COVID and Trump and this and that, or if it's just the pace of the news today, or if we're just so into social media and everything else. Like. To me, it was just crazy how like it just kind of like blew by and was like hardly spoke about. And I'm like, man, unless you show them little green men, will they ever care? Like that was it's pretty crazy to me. But I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious if you guys, if, Josh, what do you think, man? Like if, you know, do you, do you agree that people are just too busy to care? If they just said that they've recovered things that were not of Earth origin, couldn't it be like a meteorite? A Sanic ship. A <laughs> <laughs> ship? Yeah, bud. Yeah, I mean, if you read the article, um, they they do beat around the bush, but they they state that it's a crap. Wow. I mean, but this isn't like this isn't the first time this shit's been. Ah, I don't know, man. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm gonna go way off in left field and just start ranting and raving about how this stuff's been in the public eye for sixty years now, and everybody who talks about it's been crazy. But you know. It's one of those topics that I think happens a lot with anything that gets lumped in this conspiracy category because there's so much information that the majority of it is bullshit. But then you find people who are ex-military or who have worked at secret military bases and worked on crafts that aren't from this world. And you hear them speak and they seem extremely legitimate. Those are the things that make me question whether or not there are otherworldly, you know, crafts visiting us or what the implications of that are. I mean, it's wild, but uh, I don't know. One thing that I did hear brought up recently in connection to this that I think is really fascinating uh, and hearkening back to Rogan, they were talking about it on the podcast recently, that one of the first really large um, UFO sightings occurred in 1942 and it occurred right after we did the first testing for nuclear bombs and I think that you know if you really want to go conspiracy alley it's very interesting that sightings started showing up after that event and as tensions sort of escalate here you know, the idea is, is that they're showing up more and more. What does that all mean? Who knows? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think the government even knows. And I think that's the most alarming thing. But that's why it's so beautiful how it just kind of gets slid in and it'll be out of the media stream in a week. I mean, that's how everything is anymore. Nobody yeah. has the attention span to pay attention to anything for longer than a minute. Yeah, I, I love um, being the guy here that builds up the persona of adam the other conspiracy guy and josh the antibody flexor like this is great this is great i love just bringing that out of you guys you know building up these great characters for you guys <laughs> i don't think they've got a spaceship i don't oh, think it's just this this is the guy adam this is the, 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 the denier the guy that doesn't want to believe this stuff man i just don't believe it <laughs> this guy man we could do a whole episode on josh not believing and us believing um maybe we'll do it one day who knows maybe it'll be a bonus episode um well an episode where we have to prove to josh and make him change his mind i did hear man where was it now i heard on some podcast maybe it was rogan that after 25 years old nobody can change your mind you have to change it for yourself i can be persuaded okay All right. i'm not dug in now, that, that's an interesting conversation that will take us down a different rabbit hole. But I do think that's true, um, except for I don't think it's you change it yourself. I think that you change it when you're alone. I think that that's what people fail to realize is no one changes their opinion by themselves. Everyone's influenced. Right. No, I, I guess I mean, like allow ourselves to be influenced when we're alone versus when we are caught up in our own ego responding to someone that might be attacking our point of view. Right. I think right. that's often what happens in conversation or on social media and stuff. And I even notice it with myself, honestly. It, it's something that I think is so ingrained in our culture that uh, people don't want to be wrong. So they always want to assume that they're right and 
be fearful of kind of that hierarchical system, you know, of people pushing down on them for not being correct or not having the right viewpoint about something. But from what I've noticed about myself, when I'm alone and watching things or researching things or looking into things, that's when my opinions are shaped. But the content that I'm paying attention to is what's shaping my opinion. It's not like it's born in a vacuum. Right. No, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I guess that like they, they can give you the information, but like you still have to make yourself believe it. You know what I mean? Um, but when you're under 25, I guess you can just completely like mind fuck them in some way that <laughs> they're just going to go with it, even if they haven't really, you know, figured it out on their own. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Um, all right. The next one here, uh, the man who bought a Lamborghini with his COVID-19 relief funds cannot be from any other state than Florida. Foul or no foul? <laughs> no foul. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neil's home strikes again. Yes, we do. We're strong out here, man. We will not let that title go. Not even. How did this guy get enough money to buy a Lamborghini? Like, we, we have to be talking about more than a $1,200 check here? <laughs> yeah, no, he has some kind of business, like, loans that he got. Um, he got, like, crazy amounts of money. He bought a $300,000 Lamborghini off of it, man. And I guess those funds were not meant for Lamborghinis. And again, yeah, you're asking how he got the funds? Florida. That's how he got the funds. Um, it all comes back together. It's all full circle, man. Um, so, yeah, he spent a lot of money, they said, on Lamborghinis, dating sites, clothes. Guy just took it and got a fly out here, man. Got to respect. Got to respect the move. Um, the last one I've, I have here for you, this one caused a lot of contention on Twitter this week. I'm going to dial it back a little bit to the second statement that he made, but Keenan Allen is the best wide receiver in the AFC West. Foul or no foul? Man, that was just so silly. Okay, the best wide receiver in the NFL, you could say is silly. What about the best in the AFC West? Is that super silly? I mean, I mean, I'm trying to find out where he'd rank. I I mean, I guess he ranked second behind Tyreek. Like, I think that's probably right from a career perspective. You could even argue that he's better, I guess. But, like, that's only because he's a vet. Like, look at – I mean, you're talking about the Raiders, who I don't think have a receiver that's played in the NFL three seasons. That, you know, everybody on that team's a rookie. Uh, <laughs> then you've got the Broncos, who are in a very similar situation. I mean, Cortland Sutton was a rookie last year. You know, they, they just drafted – a rookie in the first round. So you're talking about teams that have extremely young players. So yeah, Keenan Allen, you're the best wide receiver in the AFC West. If Tyreek Hill gets suspended. Oh, and we're not counting tight ends, right? We're just counting wide receivers, not receivers, right? Wide receivers. Oh God. Thank God. Cause then he'd be like fourth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, I know, I know Josh has stronger feelings on Keenan Allen. How do you feel about this, Josh? Yeah, I think I'd give it to him. I think I'd give it to him. And being a veteran should not be something that's held against you. Like, he's had to do it for more time, and he has. Tyreek is a very different kind of player, and I appreciate Tyreek. But I think I'm going to give it to Keenan. Nice. You also have to consider that he has Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, if Keenan I mean, you still got to do it. Yeah. What I'm saying is if you gave Keenan Allen Patrick Mahomes, like, how much better would he be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how much? How much would we be talking about? I mean, Cortland Sutton wasn't a rookie last year either. Just to correct that, Adam, he was drafted in twenty eighteen. Yep, 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 yep. I have to do yep. that before Twitter does it to no, you, man. You're you're right. No, that was terrible. But you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna let you just skate by with that either. I had yeah, to. Good job. You wouldn't let me do it. Let's be honest, right? We're 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 men of you know dignity. We hold each other accountable here, Adam. Yeah, point, point still stands. I mean, if Keenan Allen is the best wide receiver in the AFC West. It's just because of longevity. Okay. All right. All right. I'm a Keenan Allen fan. I'm not mad. And I enjoyed the Twitter banter, man. I loved it. I love the other players jumping out there and shooting their shots and firing back. I love that he tagged yeah. the wrong Chris Godwin. He tagged Chris Goodwin. It was just a, it was just a beautiful mess, man. That was great. But can we can we seriously just talk about Mike Evans' disrespect? Because, man, this guy has had an insane start to his career, and no one cares. Why is I mean, that? Is it just Tampa? Is it a Tampa thing? I don't know, man. I really don't know. He is such an anomaly. I mean, when you look at what he has done over the course of six seasons, it's wild. I mean, never a year under 1,000 yards. This, It's just 
I don't know. It's it, He's one of those players that I think is such an enigma. I think because everyone loved Chris Godwin so much, people just forgot that Mike Evans is a boss. And, you know, coming into this year, it's just so hard to understand how Brady supports all the weapons that are there. But, man, it's like when, when I saw, uh, you know, Allen going specifically against that group of players, I was just like, man, you've got no argument against Mike Evans. <laughs> There's nothing. I mean, he's been in the league six years and is never disappointed. He's always healthy. He's just he, – he never fails to produce. Yeah, and by that way, that got me into a whole nother rant where I was – saying that I want my players or anyone I'm working with or anyone that I'm teamed up with to say they're the best. Like, if you don't have that energy, if you don't have that mentality, like, what are you doing, man? Like, people got mad about it. Some people got upset. They're like, nah, man, you got to be humble. Man, take your humble and shove it up your ass, man. Like, nah, everybody knows I'm the best one on this podcast. Yeah, like, if you felt that way, you should feel that way. You should be like, man, every time I come on this podcast, I'm the fucking best. And Neil I care and, you guys. I believe that. Yeah, Neil and Josh need to step it up. That's all there is to this. Like, yeah. that's how you should feel man like you got to feel that way to, to, to come correct spike this week when they see that name pop back <laughs> like oh that guy's back yeah he's are back you, are you gonna take mike evans over kenny galladay oh no 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 I, just stop i mean that's how the that's how adp is right now on ff calculator it, it is i mean it's pretty wild i i don't know i mean for me I probably should be, if I'm being honest, but I'm really high on Kenny Galladay. Um, yeah, that that it, it, man, it's so tough because the issue with Mike Evans is between him and Chris Godwin, who performs better with Tom Brady, and then of those two, does Tom Brady somehow support two top twelve wide receivers like ADP suggests, even though he's done that once in his career? Like it just, I don't know, man. I just – I struggle with seeing it, uh, especially with Gronk there as well, you know, scooping it up touchdowns. So the sky's the limit for that offense, but Brady is still, like, 80 years old. <laughs> we need to we need to not forget that. Yeah, Mike, Mike Evans got a bad rap because, number one, he's in Tampa. Nobody's cared about Tampa really for the most part until now. And then – He's on a team with guys like Chris Godwin who just are really awesome, and that's just all there is to it. So, like, if, if Mike Evans found himself on a team where he was, like, the number one guy, no question about it, you know, crazy young, talented quarterback, like, it just would be what it is. But he's not. <laughs> like, it just is what it is. You know what I mean? Deal yeah, it. it's tough moving him up in ADP, though. Like, Mike Evans in the third round feels disrespectful, but I don't know who I'm going to take him over. Like, I would move Todd Gurley out of the – out of the second round but yeah i mean mike evans is such a hard player for me to draft even though i like him historically simply because i mean where he's going you can get somebody like adam Thielen, and i think adam Thielen has way more upside um but you know that that's just that's just where i'm at i i think that that range there's just guys that to me offer more upside than Mike Evans does with healthy Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and all the other weapons they have in that offense. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mike Evans, we love you, man. We love you. And shout out to Keenan, man. Stand your ground, boy. I respect it. All right, guys. That's all I have for fantasy football-related content. I don't know if you guys have anything else that you want to make sure we squeeze in the show before we jump out to show and show and tell. I've got, I've got one real quick. All right. I saw Graham Barfield tweeted something today that stated – that slot wide receivers don't matter. Basically, their, their production is replaceable, similar to that of a running back. They're scheme dependent. They're not contributing. What do you guys think about that? Foul what? or no foul? Slot a... wide receivers don't matter. Foul. Foul. I think, I, I think that, oh man, I don't know if that would be a foul or no foul, but I think that more would have to be looked into regarding their separation. I think that's probably the spot where you can differentiate a bit between slot receivers and their ability, but you might be able to scheme for that. I mean, that, that, that's the hardest part of the NFL is knowing what is, you know, the actual player on the field creating and what's being created by the scheme itself. It's an interesting question. It is. I mean, it's interesting to look more in depth at it. Maybe we should have grandma on. <laughs> the argument was based around the idea that a lot of slot wide receivers have been drafted very late. 
So similar to like a running back, Philip Lindsay, you can come in and be good without being drafted high. And I just don't think that draft capital is that good of a measurement of being good. I think we're, we might just be bad. Well, at, that, that's wrong. Um, but <laughs> there is not I'm a team in the NFL that beats the draft. None of them. Um, but as far as the slot wide receiver thing, I think it actually has more to do with just the NFL in the past not realizing how valuable the slot is. I think now you see teams gravitating to play, putting their best wide receiver in the slot a lot more often. I mean, that's why Michael Thomas was so dominant last year. Chris Godwin. His slot usage. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Michael Thomas fits his definition of slot wide receiver. I feel like Thomas, if you like – Not, but what I'm stating is that that position on the field is useful – by any player because of how it's schemed. But when you put an extremely talented player there, the production goes through the roof. I'm going to have to look at his tweet and really dig into what he's saying before I comment. It was, a, it was a whole thread, and he cited yeah. some articles that I did not read. Yeah. So maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just how the internet works, right? <laughs> UFOs aren't real. I don't read nothing but headlines. That's how it I works. Just, I disagree with the idea that just because a lot of good slot wide receivers do not have draft capital, that that means that the position is uh, scheme dependent and up for grabs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I, I, I definitely want to see it. So send it, I'll, I'll search for it. Or you can send it over to me. We can talk about it more next week, maybe. Um, Cause I'm kind of, kind of intrigued by it. Cause I am a big fan of slot receivers. So me too. Um, we'll see how we'll see. I'll check it out. I don't want to, I don't want to, go crazy on it without actually looking at it um all right so let's jump over to show and tell then show and tell one of my favorite parts of the show i love being able to share with you guys something that i enjoyed a lot this week you know what i mean i like i like doing that man whether it's something i've been i've been on a real netflix kick lately i think this will be the third week in a row that i'm sharing a netflix show i gotta i gotta switch the game up i can't be the guy who comes into you know show and tell with the same kind of product every week but i'm on netflix still these days and so what I have for you guys today is a Netflix series. There's only three episodes, I believe, um, called Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. And it's great content. It's great content. I, I mean, I like the Mafia stuff, just generally speaking, but like, you don't have to be into the Mafia stuff to like watch it. It's not like a scripted show or anything. It's just like a documentary style, docuseries, whatever. It's three episodes. It's not long, um, but it's got a lot of interest in entertaining stuff. And, you know, you watch the movies, you watch the TV shows about the mob like this. It's always cool to hear from like guys who were involved and kind of outlasted the prison or the murder or like the FBI and prosecutors and you know how how, how they went about taking these guys down. It was it was crazy interesting stuff. Like like just I don't know, like it's not as far away as like I, I like to believe it is sometimes, but like a lot like a lot of things in history. Like I always I always picture them like so far away, but like it wasn't that far away when they were like you know, running New York and stuff and the FBI didn't know what to do or how to stop these guys. So it was like really cool to hear how they approach all this stuff. I, I know like it's kind of impossible now for this all to happen like it did. So like back then it had to be when it happened <laughs> just because the times are different, but it was really cool to hear the stories and everything they went through to, to take, to take the mafia down. So uh, yeah, I definitely recommend watching it. Fear city, New York versus the mafia. Um, have either one of you seen it? No, never yeah. even heard of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are you, either one of you guys, like, you know, into that kind of stuff? Mafia, the mob, stuff like that? Yeah, I like those kind of movies. Okay. He, he's up there in probably my top ten movies ever with yeah. Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's a lot of good That's stuff. not really Mafia, but it's... <laughs> yeah, well, you're trying, man. You're trying. I, I respect you for trying, you know. But, um, I mean, I, I, I'm more into the docuseries stuff even than movies necessarily. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really cool. Like, they were talking about how they would, like, bug like how they started to bug these guys, like their TVs and like their cars and stuff. Like it was pretty, it was pretty cool stuff. And uh, one, one of the crazy stories was like John Gotti, I guess was like selling drugs while he was with the mafia. And I guess, you know, in the mob that's like frowned upon. I, I want to say it was uh, Paul Castellano was the main guy, wh whoever it was um, like they knew once, once the FBI started rounding these guys up and arresting them, um, they had him killed like immediately as soon as he got released from jail because they knew that once he heard like these tapes in court that they were selling drugs and that he was going to kill them. So it was like, Hey, we do it now. We kill him first before he hears the tapes or that's it. You know, it's like, it was so like cutthroat. And, um, you know, there was like, 
the FBI was just doing the craziest stuff to like catch these guys. It just seems crazy, but um, definitely watch. Like I said, it's three episodes. It's not hard to you know to consume. And the one guy that was on the show talking, I you know whenever I watch these things, I start like googling the people to like find out more about them. And the one dude I seen him on another interview, and he said he was in a news article uh, that was written about like the top fifty mob guys. And he said out of all fifty that were in the article, in the article, only one is a lie, and it was him. I was like, what? That's crazy. So, yeah, imagine being one of these guys who, like, outlasted all this stuff. So it was pretty cool to watch. If you guys have some time, I suggest it. Adam, do you have anything for today? Man, I'm racking my brain over here, and I did not think of anything. That's fine. That's fine, Adam. So, no, I I don't have anything this week. Everybody, mark that down. Adam did not show last week and has no show and tell for you this week. Uh Uh-oh. Judge him. Judge him. Judge him. Josh, you never fail me, man. I know you got something. Okay. So I, I saw a tweet today just outlining the average salary by country for teachers. And it's no secret that the United States pays less. But I really would appreciate it if this conversation went away from how much money we pay teachers and went to things that we can do to help improve outcomes for students because I think then people might care about it. Like if you just cannot whine and complain, and I'm a teacher, about how much money you make and expect that to get people's attention if you cannot explain to them why they should pay you more. And the reason why they should pay you more is because you, you should have a case built for that increasing or improving the outcomes of students. And we're not doing that. We're just saying pay me more money. And it's not happening. Yeah, I had a passionate conversation in the group me chat about it. You've seen that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with everyone getting more money, right? Like, I don't care what you do. Like, everyone should get more money unless you're already, you know, rich as hell off of it. But, yeah, like, teachers should definitely get more money. But, like I said in the group in the group chat, like, I, I would love to see that also mean that there's more accountability um, for teachers in a sense of, like, like I don't know. Like, I, I hate these systems where it's, like, cops. Hey, we need you to get this many tickets or arrest this many people. Hey, teachers, we need like every kid to graduate or you're not doing good. Like, I don't like that because that's not really fair for that person. In that spot, you're kind of putting them in a spot where you're like, hey, you want me to do wrong just so I look good here, because that's the only way I'm going to pass every single kid or I'm going to, you know, find someone. That everyone's breaking the law every day. Like, it's just it's I don't know. It's a broken system to me. And so I, I hate yeah. that that's like the the grading system for teachers. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a subtle implication when you say if we paid teachers more, it would be better. What, what you're saying is either teachers can just do better if they were motivated, or you are saying if we got better people to be teachers, it would be better. Right. And we're also saying better people equals people who take jobs just for more money. Exactly. And that's bullshit. Yeah. Right. Not everybody in the world is searching through the one ads and just picking the one that has the highest number. Right. Some of us want to do things that we actually care about. And the money is not the number one factor. And I just wish that we would move the conversation to what can we do to make things better for students instead of what we're doing currently. I'm with you, Josh. Well with you, man. Thank you for sharing that, Josh. Adam, step your game up. Josh, I'm dropping mafia talk. Josh is dropping teachers' pay salary talk. I mean, at least come with a conspiracy or two, Adam. Come on. You know, here, here's a conspiracy. While Josh was talking, I refreshed YouTube. Guess what my number one recommended video is? What? The Fighter and the Kid on New York versus the Mafia, Fear City. <laughs> Man. It's not heard of this thing until you just mentioned it. I hit refresh and it's the number one recommended thing. It's crazy, man. Hey, mine, this week, a friend of mine told me that they had a, a vitamin D issue and I have not Googled it. I haven't searched it. And today I got an email about vitamin D supplements. I don't understand how this works. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Well, like, also, if you look into like, um, I'm pretty sure it's a fact. But like, if you look even into like TVs, like, um, the price of TVs, you know how they've kind of like dropped dramatically. Um, I read an article. I forget. I don't know. I didn't really fact check it that much. But, but um, it said something about the fact that like, 
the companies aren't actually making a lot of money off the TV itself. They're actually just making the money off what they sell, all your information. And I'm like, damn, that's pretty scary. Like, I know you're probably talking about like, oh, you know what you watch when you watch it. But like, what else are you stealing from me that you're selling to people that make money off me? You know what I mean, like, it's pretty crazy stuff when you look into all that kind of stuff. And that's why I think it's funny when the government's like, we're going to ban TikTok because China's spying on us. Like, bro, you're spying on us. Like, what the hell? Like, it's so ridiculous. It's the most craziest thing ever. Ah, this... Stay with it to the extent that it benefits me. Like, if you're going to market me things that I actually want and would use, then fine. Oh, but... you know what? Well, wait, wait. I have a show and tell now. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of a documentary that literally talks about this exact subject that I watched like like a year ago, I think. Uh, it was called, uh, it, sorry, it's called The Great Hack. So I was just looking to back up. Um, but, uh, but yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's a really interesting topic. I mean, there are uh, that there's a lot of money in data. That's for dang sure. Yeah, it's one of those things where like they didn't know there was until there was, <laughs> and everybody else was late to the party except those who made a lot of money off of it. Ah man, crazy times, crazy times, folks. Well, listen, that's all we have for you guys today. I appreciate Adam and Josh for joining me. You can always find Adam on Twitter at the other FF guy. Soon changing that to the other conspiracy guy. And we have Josh at JC Crocker. He's flexing those antibodies all over the place. If you don't like it, you should tell him right there at JC Crocker. You just come talk to me at the bar on Monday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're bold enough, you can talk to Josh in person. <laughs> You know when they say, "Hey, want to talk about it? Come step outside." Josh says it, and he means it. And you ain't you ain't bold enough. I'm not bold enough, and you shouldn't. I don't advise it. Um, you can find me at Clock Dodgers because I stay in my house. Um, so you can find me on social media at Clock Dodgers on Twitter, Instagram, and every other good social media platform. As always, guys, we appreciate you for subscribing. If you haven't, please do it. Please hit the subscribe button. Don't just stream it. Hit subscribe. Leave a review. Oh, we got a new review too. Hold on, I think I missed it last week, and so I want to make sure I say it. Um, I like I like reading these guys. When people go out of their way to leave a review, I feel like they deserve to be acknowledged. It deserves to be. It's not about it's not about you know us bragging, but that person deserves to be heard. Um, and and trust me, anything you leave in those reviews, I will read, unless you get ridiculous. But try to not get ridiculous. But I will read your stuff. Um, this one was from and I hate I don't know who this is. Like I don't know who this person is. It says Batch Nine Level One Forty Four. So I don't know who this person is, whether you know us on Twitter, if you just listen to the show, whatever it is, shout out to you, whoever you are. And all they said was five stars. Keep grinding away. It's refreshing to hear someone fresh, new, and genuine. Did you guys know you would ever be described in such a way? That's an amazing review. Yeah. Josh, you are fresh, new, and genuine, just so you know. I love it. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. That's a great review. And so shout out. I wish I knew your name or at on social media or something but either way uh we appreciate you we appreciate everyone who leaves reviews um you guys are awesome other than that thank you for your support we couldn't do this without you clock dodgers fam be kind be great keep dying